Hi, everybody. What a way to start an episode. You found a way to shut me up quick, didn't you? <laughs> Yay. Um, I am mildly offended by my co-host, ladies and gentlemen, because the first thing she did to silence me, which I feel is quite a rude gesture, is to give me the middle finger, or as my father would say, number one with a bullet. Yeah. We always do a three, two, one countdown, and instead of using my index finger on number one, it was the middle finger. Which is just rude, crude, and socially unacceptable. But perfectly fine here. Oh, it was kind of funny, yeah. I thought yeah. it was amusing. Mm-hmm. So, I'm Ashley. I'm Michael, who is just flicked off by <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> and this is about a dog. Yay! Yay, woohoo! So... The show talks about... Um, oh, I forget. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, dogs. Dogs, yeah. That stuff. <laughs> This is one of our informal... Raw tidbits, so there's no notations. And it's just kind of... Whenever we do raw tidbits, we just kind of go off the cuff. There's no real script, and there's no real... Technically, there isn't a real script for a regular episode. If anything, there's just the research that you do. Right. Yeah, but I mean... I just, you know, as the common man, you know, I just sit here and as the common lay person, you know, just sit here, listen, and I crack my silly, you know, jokes and things like that. But, you know, it's not only educational and informative for me, but for anyone who wishes to partake. Which, by the way, rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, all that stuff. Like, that helps our metrics. Um, but what we're going to be talking about today, as if this is some child education program... <laughs> Today, boys and girls. Today. <laughs> uh, we got my puppets. <laughs> we are going to talk about a very controversial-ish hmm. subject, but people are starting to work to the idea of the research that's coming out, um, and that's spay-neuter. Yeah. I actually kind of have a story about this. Um, you want me to tell the penny story? Well... Let me kind of set the parameters a little okay. bit. Okay, all right, fine. To those that may get it confused, because I do see it online sometimes where people say that they want their male dog spayed. Physically impossible. Spay. <laughs> Sorry, this statement is funny. Or <laughs> Male fe- dog spayed. Or their female dog neutered. Neutered, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, physically impossible. Okay, so... What happens during a spay? Mm -hmm. A spay is basically the equivalent of a total hysterectomy in women. Mm. So the ovaries, fallopian tubes, and the uterus are removed. Right. That's it. For males, it is what would be known as a castration. Mm. Everywhere else, but we say neuter. And it is removing of the testicles. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in terms of which one is less invasive, neuter is way less invasive than right. a spay. Um, so, that's our terminology. Terminology. Woo-hoo. Yes, we learn a lot about terminology when we... Uh, I, I tried to say it wrong. It came terminology? Out, <laughs> it came out right, unfortunately. So, um, yeah. neuter equals male. Spay equals Female. Trust me, I've made that mistake on more than one occasion, much to Ashley's uh, utter joy and amusement. Yeah, it makes me giggle. Yeah. Um, and also, when it comes to... We are all 100% open and for transgender, non-binary, non-binary stuff and all of that stuff with people. 
with dogs, they do not have the social construct of gender. Mm. And so this new weird hippy-dippy notion that your dog does not identify as female, please stop. (laughs) Just stop. So you're basically saying that dogs and cats uh, can't be uh, non-binary? No, they can't. And the reason is, is because they don't have the knowledge and social construct of gender. In other words, the intelligence level to determine, you know, if they are male or female. No, it's more of a social structure system. Okay. So, there you go. But, I didn't know we were going in this particular direction. To I, just, I, I just had to cut it off because I've been seeing wow. some posts about people saying that they're um, non-binary dogs. I'm like, excuse, say what? <laughs> They have a penis or they have a vagina. Or if you're... They can be hermaphrodites when they're born. It happens. But... <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a kindergarten cop moment. Yeah. That's... that's Boys just, have a penis. Girls have a vagina. Pretty much. <laughs> so... Get to the job. Well, there has been a huge movement, primarily in North America, to automatically spay and neuter every single dog, period. The whole Bob Barker thing. Yes, spay and neuter your pets, all that jazz. Well, after some research was done primarily in Europe, and then there were some studies done that were continued in the U.S., that spay and neuter is not really the best thing in many, 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 many cases for dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's especially bad prior to them hitting puberty. Mm-hmm. Because those hormones that are needed to tell when to shut off growing and all of that stuff get disrupted. So you'll you see a lot of growth and huge changes prior to full maturity. and does harken back to the story I wanted to tell at the beginning. So go ahead and tell your story. Uh, Many years ago. (laughs) No, um, I think before you and I actually, Mm -hmm. you know, formally and socially knew one another, um, I had, uh, due to a falling out to move out, to move out of where I was living, and moved back home. And the rule was that since Penny was still an intact female, um, Mom insisted that she be spayed. See, I got it right. I was checking your face to make sure I got it right. So, you know, we got it done. But um, years later, when you and I were more socially acquainted, you actually did an exam and came to a, a conclusion. But my, my question is, how old was Penny when she was spayed? See, that's what I don't really know. Um, because, I mean, you remember her birth certificate. Yeah, so she... Penny was born... Penny January is, 18th, but I don't remember the year. Penny's 11 years old. Yeah. So... 11 years old from this year, 2021? From this year, yeah. So oh, she that sucks. She was born in 2010. Okay. And I'm willing to bet you that she was spayed before she was six months old. 
before her first heat cycle. Which it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, considering that she's re- remained so so small and. But that's well. The, that, that goes to your thing. So, with with Penny, she's a smaller dog. She's a Teddy Roosevelt Terrier. We've covered them in a previous episode. Yes. So they're not going to grow as tall anyway. Mm. So Penny's actual growth was not really impacted because I think she was spayed when she was done growing, but prior to her first heat cycle. Well, definitely. I don't recall her ever, and even if if I did, I wouldn't be able she to recognize did. the signs, honestly. She never did. I can tell you that right I mean, between now. Between the two of us, you're the only one that can actually point at a dog and go, she's in season. And I'm like, what? Yep. I remember the first time I heard this, I was like... What, what does this have to do with the taste? We're not eating these dogs. What are you talking about? <laughs> Well-seasoned. What are you talking about? So, a lot of things happen when um, a female dog goes into season for the first time. The main thing that happens is her her nipples will enlarge. And that will never go back to the way it was prior to to her coming into season for the first time. Yeah. And that's the that's the key indicator that if you were to adopt a dog from a shelter, whether their nipples run flat across their body mm-hmm. or if they're poked out a little bit. If they're poked out a little bit and they've come in season mm-hmm. with Penny, they're flat up against her body, so she's never had a heat cycle. But yeah. Penny does have one of the common issues that happens during a juvenile spay and this can happen regardless of breed size and that is urinary incontinence she has had it for years she's had it the majority of her life and when i mean urinary incontinence it's not a full and complete incontinence it is excitable urination that she just cannot control Mm. and that is very, 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 very common in females that are spayed prior to full sexual maturity. We do not know why fully. Um, there are some theories. There are some hormones at play and that because of the close location between the bladder and the uterus that there could be some um, superficial damage or nerve damage done at time of spay. Because you're working in a very, especially with a small dog. So Penny is only 12 pounds as an adult. And so you're, the actual size that you're operating on is very, very, very small. So you've got a lot of a room for error here when you're dealing with two organs that are situated almost side by side. Right. So there's that theory. But in terms of overall issues with spay neuter and why you'll see a lot of breeders that are 100% against anti um they're 100% against mandatory spay neuter laws Mm -hmm. and the reason is one we're already seeing a dog shortage in the u.s of native dogs born in the u.s they just cannot keep up Mm -hmm. with the population the numbers already show it, and you can feel free to look it up. We are importing, by meaning we, I mean just in general, hmm. 
the CDC is reporting that the U.S. is importing over a million dogs annually. Wow. From various different countries that are intended for resale. Mm. And resale does include rescue. That was determined via um, some APHIS. They're under an arm of the United States Department of Agriculture. They determined that ruling. So if you see some sob stories, which there have been recently, of people that have been adopting dogs from Mexico, well, those dogs have a very high probability that the sob stories are fake. And they are being brought over the U.S.-Mexico border with a lot of paperwork, a lot of things going on. If not, then they are illegal imports. And that does happen. There are a lot of cases of illegal importation. And with spay-neuter being so prevalent, the current estimates from the NAIA are that 85% or more of all dogs residing in the U.S. have been spayed or neutered, which leaves just a 15% margin of those that are intact and able to to fulfill the gap of the 85% that will die off without producing a next generation. The math just doesn't work. Yeah. And when you even look at the 15% that are kept intact, less than half of those 15% will ever breed and have a single litter in their life. So you're looking at maybe 7 to 8% of actively breeding dogs in the U.S. right now. Of the total population of dogs. Everything else is being imported over or they are coming from high volume situations. Right. And I think we can all agree that when I say like high volume situations, including puppy mills, regardless if they are domestic or international, are bad. Yeah. Period. Full stop. They're bad. We do not uh, affiliate nor condone with puppy mills. Right. However... If you are a high-volume non-puppy breeder, non-puppy mill, meaning that you are doing things responsibly, health testing the parents, putting titles on them, and continuing to breed litters, multiple litters a year, fine. You're doing the Lord's work. Have fun. Because I could never do multiple litters a year. I would go berserk. A friend of ours is actually having to go through something similar to that. Yeah. Two litters born one day apart from one another. I yeah. know. You were prepared for it. I that. am prepared for you it just in case. You were prepared for that in the past, but, you know, we were fortunate enough that... Well, I wouldn't say fortunate No, enough, no but, we were not you know, fortunate. I mean, events were conspiring against us, I guess you could say. Yeah. So... Just with the whole population thing alone, we are looking at a dog shortage. We are already seeing that with the rise of dog thefts. There have been news reports of dogs getting stolen left, right, and center. One of the hot commodity ones is French bulldogs. French bulldogs are being bred like crazy. And 
they have this huge internet presence. People want French Bulldogs. There's always one particular breed mm-hmm. per year that becomes the big hot commodity. Yeah, and Frenchies have skyrocketed in popularity. Yeah. And so they the demand for them is through the roof. And I mean, hell, Lady Gaga's French Bulldogs were stolen and the dog walker was shot in an attempt to steal dogs. Period. They did not know that they were Lady Gaga's dogs, the thieves. They saw three French bulldogs and saw dollar signs. Dollar signs, signs, yeah. That's what it was. So, especially in this pandemic, breeders like myself, we've been seeing puppy inquiries just pound in. Yeah. And we can't keep up with the demand. And it's primarily related to... The huge work that was done back in the 90s and early 2000s to spay, neuter, to control overpopulation. Right. Well, guess what, guys? We succeeded. <laughs> Probably we overcompensated. We did too much. Yeah. And we're now seeing the effort, you know, we're seeing the impact of that. And I also want to make people be aware that there are vet clinics. In the U.S., one of them has a TV show on Animal Planet, or maybe I had... wonder what you could be referring hmm. to as I rub my stubbly chin. Hmm. <laughs> Where they require spay, neuter for any procedure done at all. Was this the one, pray tell, that um, did that to a dog? It was a... Was it a show dog, I mm-hmm. believe? And they got into a bit of a legal battle over it. Yes. And I think the firm lost. <laughs> the yeah. vet lost. Yeah, the vet yeah. lost uh, because it's classified as an unnecessary procedure. Right. So, let's just be aware. If you're, if you're getting a puppy or if you have a dog and they are intact, please. And also, if your dog is spayed or neutered, Please ask your vet questions about spay neuter and the long-term impacts of that. Mm. Because if your vet saying it is way more ethical and healthy for your dog to be spayed and neutered, then you might need to bring them up with the licensing board because the new clinical research is actually proving the other direction. So you need to have open and honest discussions with your vet about spay-neuter, what their personal thoughts are. And if their personal thoughts are not of openness and realizing this new research, then you need to find a new vet. It is that simple. It goes back to one of our core statements that we always make almost every episode, which is to do your homework. Mm -hmm. Research, review, um, become more aware of what situation works for you because i mean we have dogs in this house and a couple of them um specifically mine um we have a spayed female and and a neutered male male. so we're not saying there's nothing wrong with it we're just saying that you know for the actually actually could probably put this in better terms honestly because depending on the age of the dog, it may not be a good idea to do either until mm-hmm. they had, like, the first heat cycle. Well, it's age and breed. Yeah. It's 
it's breed first, age, and so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go through some of the risk factors mm-hmm. of what is known as pediatric spay okay. and pediatric neuter. Pediatric spay and neuter is defined in general as a spay or neuter that happens prior to the female's first heat cycle and the growth plate closure. You have to have both. Okay. If one of those did not happen yet and you have your dog spayed on a female side of things then it's classified as a pediatric spay. Hmm. And the reason why it's so important to have that distinction is toy breeds and smaller breeds, their growth plates do close relatively quickly, Mm -hmm. but they can also have a sexual maturity that does not take place until closer to a year old. So you have to have both before it's considered a non-pediatric spay. For males, it is growth plate closure as primary and then based on the dog's size and breed it's usually year plus Hmm. is the safeguard for that and the the research of oddly enough our home the breeds home our breeds home country sweden Sweden. has been amazing In Sweden, Germany, Norway, a lot of your Central European countries, spaying and neutering of dogs is very, 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 very rare. Hmm. Even for pet dogs, they are kept intact unless it is deemed as a medical necessity. Yeah. Now, what this research study did is they took popular breeds... They did Golden Retrievers, Labs, German Shepherds. They, Since it was in Sweden, they did a lot of Swedish hunting dogs. Right. Including our breed, including Hamilton Stovart. And they said, and they compared pediatric spay and intact dogs from the same litter. And compared their medical outcome. And what they noticed is a huge trend in that... Those that were spayed or neutered as a youngster, meaning under the age of a year old and classifies as pediatric spay, their increase of cancer rose, their increase of incontinence rose, behavioral issues rose, the increase, especially in large breed dogs, the incidence of knee and ligament injuries almost tripled, Hmm. and... One surprising thing happened for the males, which you would not expect, and the conventional wisdom says, oh, it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. The incidence of prostate cancer doubled for neutered males as opposed to intact males. Now, intact males can have prostatitis, which is an infection of the prostate gland, But it seems that whatever hormones that those males have, the actual incidence of prostate cancer in them is relatively low. Mm. But prostate cancer in neutered males is higher than anticipated. Mm. And this theory is based on 
the fact that the theory that I'm talking about is that these dogs are not getting the necessary hormones that they need to be able to grow, mature, and receive everything that they need to be good adult dogs. And the research even continued further in the U.S. because there's, like I said, with Sweden and a lot of Central European countries, spay-neuter is not very common. So what was done in the U.S. was a massive study on golden retrievers only. Mm-hmm. And they studied dogs that were spayed and neutered and intact from the same litters, and they were spayed and neutered different ages. Mm-hmm. And what they noticed is dogs that were spayed or neutered after two years old yeah. were pretty much along the same lines as adults mm. that were kept intact. But those that were spayed or neutered prior to two years old right. had those huge spikes in cancer, incontinence, prostate cancer, especially ligament issues, mm. growth disparities between litter mates started to emerge. Behavioral problems were happening. And the conventional wisdom is that you neuter a dog because you don't want them to have behavioral issues. Well, apparently, the exact opposite is true. If you neuter or spay a dog, they basically get behavioral issues. Yes, and and part of that conventional wisdom is that they were never given a chance for their brain to mature with the hormones that they need. And so there are certain things that aren't firing properly and don't have the connections necessary to have normal behaviors. Right. Now, I'm sure people are probably screaming, but my dog isn't. No, 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 no. Fine. Great. That's the situation with your particular dog. Good and God bless. Yeah. Good for you. However, more and more people, especially veterinarians, are seeing this trend happening day in, day out. And it used to be in the U.S. that, and I can attest to it, when I got Alice and I took her to her first vet appointment, and this is what primarily prompted me to change vets, (laughs) is my vet immediately wanted her to be spayed. He said, let's get her on the calendar, let's get her booked. Alice was imported at 12 months old, had never had a heat cycle. Did he cite a reason as to why he wanted her spayed? Or was he just a spay-neuter clinic? Um, He, when I explained to him that she was a show dog, his response was, that doesn't matter. I was like, (laughs) yes, it it does. does. (laughs) And I said, I have no plans of getting her spayed and neutered. And he got really huffy. But again, this was back in 2010. Yeah. 11 years ago. Yeah. And all of this research started to come out around 2015, 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. And it's just piled on top of one another. And the situation in the U.S., for those that, if you're listening outside of the U.S., welcome. Oh, wow. I never actually thought about an international fan base. Yeah, so... Cool. This will probably shake you to your core. But, and in some cases, this is still happening... 
Some rescues and shelters spay and neuter dogs as young as eight weeks old. Is this stateside or outside the... In the U.S. I'm not surprised by this information. And that has started to show its own set of problems. Hmm. Because not only are these dogs not receiving any like there's there's no hormone chance at all mm-hmm. it means that their behaviors are stunted mm-hmm. and it's it's unreal it's and like they're stuck yeah and with this whole spay and neuter issue happening A lot of your animal rights activists, which we are not one of them. God, no. We are animal welfare, Mm. not animal rights. Again, Google, enjoy. (laughs) Animal rights activists will say that this research is crap. It's flawed. Fake news. Yeah, all of that shit. They'll say that. And they'll say, well, if we don't spay neuter prior to six months old, then we'll continue to have such a horrible pet overpopulation where a million dogs are put to death every year. Um, Checkpoint on that one. The million dogs total has not been updated since the early 2000s, so we really don't even know how many dogs are truly being euthanized every year. Which would make that information 21-odd years old. Yes. And we also... Do not know if that number incorporates imports that are brought in. Mm. So, the domestic total of dogs that are euthanized every year for being homeless, we don't know. Yeah. But we do know it is under a million and probably less. It's probably about 300,000 is what the early estimates have been. It's been about three hundred to 400,000. So... Our pet overpopulation crap is a myth. It is bullshit. Hmm. So this notion of mandatory spay-neuter is crap, and it's way more harmful to dogs. And there are... so when I mentioned briefly about the physiological changes that happen. Right. And there was a post, and I'll probably share it when this episode drops, of a... Littermate comparison between a dog that was spayed at six months old mm-hmm. and a dog that was left intact their entire life. Yeah. These are German short hair pointers. Okay. So dogs that really weren't being incorporated into a study. Yeah. Um, they documented it and the change was dramatic and you could not even tell that they were littermates. Jeez. One was a show champion, mm-hmm. and the other one looked like crap. I mean, looked horrible. Chest sunken in, super long limbs, and long spindly limbs. Like, no true hard muscle, and just really didn't look like a well-bred dog. Mm. But they're litter mates, and you compare the two, and you're like, Nightmare. holy crap. And you see that in especially your larger breeds. Like the big ones, that you can tell 
just at a glance if they've been spayed or neutered at a young age. Mm -hmm. And that is Great Danes. You can look at them and tell. Mm -hmm. Because Great Danes are considered to be the Apollo of dogs. So they're supposed to look big, but they're supposed to look majestic. They're not supposed to look like little spindly leg things. And that's what some of these early Spain neuter Great Danes look like. Mm -hmm. They have these long spindly legs, this head that's way out of proportion to their body, Mm -hmm. and just a lack of muscle tone. And it's like a lack of ability to keep good muscle tone. Mm -hmm. And uh, there have been some people, and I'm one of them, that when you have, like, a lot of the Guinness Book of Records, Mm -hmm. they're putting Great Danes as, like, the tallest breed of dog year after year after year after year. Right. But a lot of those Danes that have been given the world's tallest dog... Mm -hmm have been pediatric neuters. So they keep on growing and grow and grow. So that's not their true natural form. Right. So in, so in my mind... That makes it kind of invalid, doesn't it? Exactly. So if Guinness Book of World Records really wants a true... Tallest dog. Tallest dog, then they have to be kept intact for at least two years. Yeah. Is what I would... That's do. your recommendation. That's my recommendation. Right. Mainly because with Great Danes... They, what a lot of people think, that they grow so exponentially fast. They do. Mm-hmm. But they don't fill out. So they grow tall, then they grow wider, and then their chest drops. And until that chest drops, yeah. then those growth plates and those bones are still there. Mm-hmm. And when those hormones aren't there to tell it to turn off... yeah. And they just keep going and going and going. And there's now a correlation with that constant growth and putting immediate stress on the ligaments because Mm. they're stretching beyond what they're supposed to do naturally. Mm. And they're stretching in a way that just is prone to injury. Yeah. And even if you have... A dog that's going to be doing sports, like canine sports, like agility, weight pull, um, fast cap, lure coursing, fly ball, anything that is those high impact power sports. I mean, yeah. dock diving as well. Yeah. The recommendation is do not spay neuter unless you absolutely have to. Right. Method of last resort, essentially. Because they're seeing a lot of these dogs that have been spay neutered as part of a rescue... And they're seeing these dogs breaking down at four and five years old mm. with career-ending injuries. All and, because they were spayed or neutered. Yeah. And you, you have to think that these are elite athletes yeah. that have been trained and worked out in this way their whole lives. And then, bam, career-ending Ligament injuries, and they're never the same. Yeah, taken down in their prime. Which is ridiculous. Hmm. So, when it comes to this whole spay-neuter thing, we have to factor in, even, even as breeders, we have to factor in, one, 
the health risk situation right. of early spay-neuter. Because it could do more harm than good. Yep. And two, you have to factor in that with the dogs that we are spaying and neutering every single year, that's limiting our gene pool. And our dogs to choose from is going smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. So what we've done when you get a puppy from us, one, we mandate that the dog kept intact, even if they're classified as a pet, until documented bone growth closure, like growth plate closure of the long bones by a licensed veterinarian, which means you got to x-ray your dog. Hmm. And two, an evaluation from us, the breeder, yeah. has to be done to determine whether we truly do not want that animal being part of an active gene pool. Right. Because with us having such a rare breed, each and every animal that we remove from that gene pool is horrible. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a huge detriment. And I understand people are used to dealing with spayed and neutered dogs after the past 20, 30 years now. Right. I get it. But you have to think of a few things. If you're just a pet owner, which great, have fun, whatever. When you when you get a purebred dog from a responsible breeder, they're doing this out of the passion and devotion for the breed. Exactly. The breed that they help to, mm-hmm. you know, facilitate and continue. Yeah. So you need to work with your breeder and have some understanding that your convenience is a massive inconvenience and irreparable damage down the road. Yeah. Well beyond after your dog has taken its last breath. Yeah. And two, you also have to think of the well-being of your dog that's in your home. I have people asking me all the time, well, I don't want to have to deal with the bitchin' season. That's perfectly fine. There are ways that you can curtail that. You can, there are underwear that you can put on your dog during heat cycles so that they don't bleed everywhere. Yeah. There are natural solutions that you can provide your dog so that they don't attract every little thing every time you go out. On every, every little male. <laughs> yeah. There are things that you can do to remedy that situation. And when bitches go in season, it's usually only once or twice a year. So, yes, it's once or twice a year, and it's maybe 25 to 30 days long. Right. But dealing with one month of inconvenience every year... Especially with Hamilton's, because it tends to be about every 10 months, usually. Yeah. It's it's really, really, really hard to justify a spay-neuter mm-hmm. unless it's medically necessary due to um, infection or something like that. Some other underlying medical issue. Right. And then when you have with males, to me... The only reason to neuter a male 
as if there is testicular torsion. Mm. And some, yeah, and something that would be a life-threatening situation for the dog in that particular area. Just hearing that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Now, for those that want to be responsible and still keep their dog intact and benefit from the hormones, but they're afraid of their dog, you know, breeding or what have you, there are options too. You can do, for females, there's something called an ovary sparing spay, Mm -hmm. which is the equivalent in people to a partial hysterectomy. It's less invasive, less recovery time, and all they do is generally remove the uterus and parts of the fallopian tubes. Right. They keep the ovaries, i.e. the hormone epicenter, and it redu- and it eliminates the risk of infection, mm-hmm. and it eliminates the risk of unintentional breeding. Right. Now, they still will come in heat because heat is determined by ovulation, but if a male were to, were to come in breed to that female, there's no chance of pregnancy because the uterus isn't there. Right. And now, there's another procedure for males. And it's something that is done in humans all the time. It's a vasectomy. Ah, uh, yes. Dogs can get a vasectomy. And it is just as non-invasive as a neuter. Mm. What they do is there's an incision that's done just below the anus and above the testicles. And they go in and they cut the vas deferens. Done. Done. And it's a very, 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 very small incision Mm -hmm. regardless of the breed size. Yeah. So in some cases... Dogs of bigger breeds that are being neutered later in life have a higher risk of infection because the scrotum is so large. Right. But if you do a vasectomy, the infection risk is minimal. Minimal. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and they still retain the hormones and they just don't, they just, in a sense, become sterile. Shooting blanks. Yeah. And those procedures, ovary sparing spay and vasectomy, need to become the norm. Absolutely. If people are concerned about pet overpopulation, and even for rescues. Hello, rescues. Hi, how's it going? (laughs) You can do this procedure on puppies. Kind of like as as an alternative Mm -hmm. to the full-on spay Mm -hmm. and neuter. And it will still fulfill the requirements of sterilization that some states have. So Virginia has a a law that if you adopt a dog out of a rescue or shelter, they must be sterilized. They don't say how. They just need to be sterilized. That's kind of vague. But it's 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 in a good way though. Okay. Because if they are sterilized, that means that you have the option, and the shelter has the option to do ovary sparing spay. Oh, okay. And vasectomies as, as opposed, opposed to, to the full on job, the full thing, which puts the dogs at risk right. for future problems. 
So this needs to become more of... Commonplace. Yeah, yeah. It really needs to become more common. And if you have a young dog that you're considering doing a spay and neuter, talk to your vet. Yeah, do your homework. Talk to your vet and say, hey, I've heard this new research about early spay and neuter, but I still want to have my dog. I still want to be, you know, I, I don't want to breed my dog at all. Da, 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 da. And as long, if you get from a responsible breeder, as long as you have your breeders okay. Right. Talk to your vet and see if they are willing to do an ovary sparing spay or if they're willing to do a vasectomy. And that discussion needs to be more commonplace. Believe it or not, and this has also been actually my own experience, if you come in contact with a doctor that you conflict with mm-hmm. or a vet you conflict with and you just you want to get maybe another opinion, don't be afraid to get a second opinion. No. Because in my opinion, it's always my opinion, it's always better to get not a perspective that you wholeheartedly agree with, but at the same time, one that is objective. Because if you've gone to this particular doctor before, um, maybe they're like stuck on one particular type of diagnosis, one procedure, something like that, you may want to try something a little bit different. You need to figure out what's out there. My point is, whether it's regardless of your own medical condition or the condition of your animals, don't be afraid to get a second opinion. Sometimes it can be very beneficial. Oh, yeah. And you have to be that advocate. You have to be the advocate for your animals because mm. they can't go up to the vet and say, hey, I'd like to keep my ovaries, please. <laughs> you have to be the one to do that. Right. And you have to be confident in your decision to say, and don't settle for it either. No, never settle. And say to that vet, either... You do this procedure for me, mm-hmm. or I'm going to go to a vet that will. I'll and find I'm, someone who can, basically. Yeah. yeah. And that should be the discussion. Yeah. Speak with your checkbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and where it hurts, the paycheck. And if your vet still isn't, vets are licensed for a reason. Yeah. So... The part there's part of licensing where you can file formal complaints mm-hmm. yeah. with your various states. That's your right. You have every right to do that. Right. And part of the licensing requirements that vets that most people in a highly educated field, yeah, vets, attorneys, doctors, mm-hmm. um, psychiatrists, I think have to do it too. Uh, project managers, compliance people, um, medical billing, all of that stuff, they have to do what are known as continuing education. And they have to do it year after year after year after year Mm -hmm. to maintain, one, their certification, and in some cases their state licensure as well. So if your vet is not willing to do some continuing education. Or you disagree with whatever mm-hmm. their prognosis is. Go find another one. Yeah. There's plenty. Don't be afraid to do that. And with this whole thing of spay and neuter, I know it's controversial. Yeah. Our views are... are in, just that. Our views and yeah. our opinions are... In some cases, people think we're a little bit too progressive. <laughs> because... 
in my opinion, I don't want any dog that I breed spayed or neutered unless they have to. The only reason why we got Al neutered was it was her health. Spayed. Sorry. Yeah, see? I told yeah. you I got it yeah. wrong on occasion. That wasn't on purpose. Yeah, and it, and it was for her health. It was yeah. a health emergent reason. Yeah. And that's just the nature of it. Right. We had to. And Rolo is... He just turned 10 this month. Right, yeah. And he's not neutered. I have zero plans to neuter him. No. Aston, stop. Oh, my God. Needy cat. Needy cat. On the podcast episode. He wants to give me kisses. But... He wanted me to pet him. I was kind of ignoring him. I, I think that's where we need to really understand fully that spay neuter mm-hmm. is not a catch-all thing for oh i'm being a responsible pet owner my dog spayed or neutered actually not there's other ways to show you're a responsible pet owner yeah. i.e um picking up after them like we did in williamsburg recently when deco decided to take a shit mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah that's it, that's one way to be a responsible um owner but the biggest way to be a responsible pet owner is to stay abreast of new things about animals that are coming out. If you're a pet owner, I don't, you know, if you're just going to sit around and have your pet, fine. But do not blindly accept what your vet is telling you. Yeah. Because there are some vets that are heavily funded mm. and get paid by rescues and animal rights organizations to push their agenda. Right. So you really, 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 really have to take a step back and have to say, what is the research that's out there that's for the best for my animal? And you're right. You sometimes have to be your own advocate as well as subject matter expert. Mm -hmm. Um, It never hurts to ask questions. And, and Question authority. Figure out, well, why do you say that? Where, where did this come from? That mm-hmm. sort of thing. And, and when it comes to studies that have come out, mm-hmm. and I hate to say it, but look to European studies before you look to U.S. studies. Mm. Because there are a lot of situations where studies about um, dogs and cats in particular are being funded by pet food companies. Hmm. Which to me is a direct conflict of interest. If you're, it mildly is because I mean you're they're supporting a particular brand rather mm-hmm. than what's good for the animals. Yep. So you really, really, really have to be careful when you're doing research, and if you have a purebred dog, please, for the love of God, contact your breeder. If your breeder doesn't know, yeah. then contact your breed's parent club in the U.S., meaning your national club. Every breed has one. Yep. Every single breed has one. And every single, and I'm telling this for you breed club people. Uh Uh-oh. Pay attention. Every single breed club, you need to be open and willing to answer those questions that come in. Because if you have have a common breed, like German Shepherds, Doberman, French Bulldogs, Golden Retrievers, Labradors, Beagles... Not everybody's getting them from a reputable source. Hmm. 
So be willing to answer the questions that people have because their breeder won't tell them. Right, and, and be the subject matter expert that they need. Yes, regardless of where they got their dog from. And do not belittle them for where they got their dog from. Yeah. No judgment should no be judgment. in this situation. If they are asking straight-up questions, then provide those answers. Yeah. However, if they are saying questions regarding how could have this been prevented, right. then that's your door to be opened to say the virtues of obtaining a dog from a responsible preservation breeder. Mm. But until then, just answer their questions openly and honestly. Please. 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 Because we really, really, really need to take the subject matter back mm-hmm. to breeders and parent clubs mm-hmm. as the experts instead of animal rights activists right. who push their own agenda. They have zero experience in animal husbandry, mm-hmm. in multi-generational stuff. Right. They don't care. Take the conversation back. Go to kennel clubs. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. Go to breed clubs. Ask questions. Go to your breeder. Demand answers from your breeder. Do your homework. Do everything that you can to make sure that your animal lives a happy and healthy life. Mm. And especially in such a sensitive topic of spay and neuter. Because it is... A personal choice in many, 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 many situations. Right, but there's a lot you need to take into account, which yeah. is, I think, part of the reason for this episode yeah. in the first place. You have to weigh the pros and the cons, and it's not an easy decision. Am mm-hmm. I saying spay and neuter your animal? No. No, not at all. Am I saying keep every animal intact? No. no. I'm saying you have to do what is best for your situation right. and what is best for your animal based on the most up-to-date research from an unbiased source. Agreed. That's it. Yeah. So I could go on and on and on, but I really don't want to. <laughs> I think you said um, an overabundance and given the people <laughs> a lot to contemplate and consider. Yeah. And this is a tough, tough, tough topic. It's a polarizing topic. It is. Um... So, rate, review, subscribe once again. Yes, rate, review, subscribe. If you have any questions about any of the subject matter that we've talked about either in the past or today, mm-hmm. um, reach out to us through social media, Twitter at aboutadog1, Instagram at aboutadogpod, or shoot an email, uh, aboutadogpod at gmail.com. There's also the Facebook. Which is at aboutadogpod. Right, and you know, chances are Ashley's probably going to answer because she's... <laughs> More knowledgeable in regards to this, I'd probably mess it up. Um, so we appreciate you listen. We appreciate you. Period. Full yeah. stop. Um, for um, listening and rate reviewing and subscribing and getting the word out. Yeah, because please. That tell- really does help with us at all. Yeah, tell your friends if you like what we're saying. Great. Yeah. You know, we we really, really, really appreciate you. And with that. Yeah. Go hug your dog. Hug your dog. They love you. They love you so, so much.